Welcome to Development Insights by Choice Hotels Canada, the podcast where we discuss the topics currently facing our franchisees and the hospitality industry at large. In this special live episode recorded at Choice Hotels Canada's 2022 Fall Conference in Niagara Falls, our National Director of Franchise Development, Graham Marsh, sits down with a panel of leading brokers and financial experts in the hospitality space, including Steve Heddington, President and Principal Broker at Prime Resources Finance, Cam Wolf, Assistant Vice President, Hotels and Syndication at Canadian Western Bank, and Mark Kay, President and Principal Broker at CFO Capital, to discuss the challenges of accessing capital in 2022 and the options that are available to hoteliers. Please enjoy the presentation. All right, I think we're going to get, uh, get started here. So I'd like to introduce you all to, if you don't already know them, we've got Steve Heddington from, from Prime Resource Capital, a, a broker, uh, Cam Wolf from uh, CWB, and then we've got Mark Kay from uh, CFO <coughs> Capital. So, so all very well-versed lenders, uh, brokers in, in the, uh, on the financing side of things. I think we're going to have a good conversation. and. I think when we talk about access to capital, especially coming out of, you know, you could look back 20 years back, it's always the burning question in the room is like, where am I going to get the money? How much money can I get? You know, and, and what are you going to be charging me for that for that money? And at what point does it make sense to even to get your hands on that money? So I'm really looking forward to this. And uh, on the last panel that we just had, the best questions actually came from the room. So I'm hoping that if you've got any questions, don't feel that we need to hold them off till the end of the session. If they're talking about something that you feel is relevant to where you're at in your space at any given time, just uh, get your hand up and we'll get a mic over to you and then we'll hopefully generate some further conversation with what I've prepared. But if we go in a totally different direction, that's that's great too. Because like I said, it's the whole point of this is you guys are the ones that uh, are out there in the field and needing the resources of, uh, of these guys up here. So. All right, I know that I had this in my eye last time. So we'll start with Cam, um, with the bank. You know, the burning question in the room, I always say that is, you know, is capital available? If so, in what capacity? And um, is it available for renovations, acquisitions, and for any developers, new build financing? Yeah, I, I mean, the, the short answer is yes, it's there and it's available. Um, at Canadian Western Bank, uh, CWB Franchise Finance, we specialize in this space. So we take a long-term kind of approach to financing hotels. Uh, we prefer to, you know, build our financing platform on relationships and seeing uh, our, our clients through uh, ups and downs of, of the industry. I think maybe like Mark or Steve might be able to answer kind of in more general about uh, the banking availability for, for hotels uh, across Canada. But for our group, um, it's an essential part of our business, uh, the hotel financing. And we will finance acquisitions, renovations, uh, new builds. So we have wing-to-wing -wing financing for hoteliers. Okay. Yeah. Um, so with that, then, do either of you feel comfortable jumping in on, on that? Sure, go ahead. Yeah. Um, you, know, the, the, you know, the question is, is capital available? It is. and. Uh, there's a lot of lenders that will lend, and there's some lenders that are still trying to recover from COVID, and they've had too much exposure, uh, and they want to look at their book and see where it's going. 
Um, the big question is like we saw the leisure through the summer carry us and we had high ADRs, but now the lenders are like, what's the fall look like? Is corporate going to be traveling? Is the meeting and convention space business going to come back? So, you know, you, you make a call and, and sometimes it's regional and you talk to a credit union, yeah, we're interested. Talk to another lender, no, we're, we're not ready yet to jump back into the space because of the exposure issues. So it's really trying to find what lender is available. And then sometimes, so you Mark can talk to this, you'll They'll say we're interested, but we're at a cap exposure. We've got too much this year in hotels. We'll maybe look at it next year. So it's catching them at the right time and, and them understanding. And a lot of it's where is the market and where is the borrower? And if they like that and it's a strong borrower, strong market, strong appraisal, they'll jump in. And sometimes you just got to tell the story a little bit more of the first question or answer is no. So let me send you a package. Then they lighten up and they go, oh, we, we like what we're seeing. Can you give us a little bit more? What's the liquidity like? What's the sponsor like? and you can move them into a position of a yes versus a no. And to, uh, to Steve's point as well, it's, you, you took, look at 2019 till today, with uh, 2020, 21, I'd say about two-thirds of the institutions have put a moratorium on no lending. About 75% of the institutions across Canada are back lending. I think so that's a positive side. And it's both for acquisitions, renovations, construction, conversions. So that's still taking place. So the activity is there, just different underwriting requirements, to yeah. Steve's point. Yeah, so as, as Mark uh, started to allude to, the, the capital is there. It's just how much capital a bank will dedicate to a specific hotel project probably changed or is changing. A lot of that has to do with expected returns from the hotel, what NOI margins uh, realistically hotels will be able to operate into the medium term. And then combined with that, our current interest rate environment is putting pressure on debt service coverage. Uh, which limits the amount of mortgage a hotel business can support. So it's become less of a conversation around value as it is about what the realistic uh, debt coverage uh, a business can, can support. Interesting. I'm just thinking, same as last panel, breaking away from the script a little bit. So when you look around the room, you've got people from almost every province, you know, from east to west. I know interest rates are what they are, but in terms of lending ratios, you see that vary through across the country? Uh, I can comment from, my, from our perspective. So we're lending today, Alberta, BC, East Coast, small town, urban market, uh, and consistently. And, and we're seeing, you know, your average is still, the, the LTV is 65% in theory, provided there's a debt service ability to it. The big focus right now is on the TTMs. So the TTMs are sitting at 0.5 in this market after a great run of four or five months then your 65% as of cost, are you gonna get the full pop? Probably not. There's going to be a really focus on where the projection's heading and when you're gonna hit that debt service coverage. But what we're seeing is pretty consistent on a trailing 12 month basis. If we're at a, a one-to-one coverage and the debt ratio coverage is supposed to be one and a quarter, 1.3, then there's a good probability to get maybe 65% approved in theory, 60% advanced, and then an earn out of that 5% once you hit that covenant. So we're seeing that becoming a lot more popular. And then also the, the addition, if you've been sitting on a lack of CapEx being invested into the project, but now you want to put the CapEx in place, and we're, we're seeing a slower time frame, most likely during winter from the, from the corporate, and this is a good time to now catch up on the PIP, then we have a story, right? Because now the story is we're going to spend our three, four million dollars over the next 18 months. We're expected you know, it may happen that it's a little bit slower on the corporate side. So we're taking some inventory out, kind of riding out that stabilization period and give an interest only component and still lend that full 60, 65%. So it's really depending upon 
the hotelier's business plan game plan is how you end up customizing the debt. Steve, I'm going to give you this one. With the rise in interest rates, do you see lending ratios returning to pre-pandemic <clears throat> numbers, and where do you see interest rates going? Oh, it's a good one. <laughs> I think Doug Porter, if you were at the morning session, answered a lot of that, and uh, I did a little bit of research on that before coming here. And there was a survey of all the major banks, uh, like Desjardins, CIBC, TD, and it was basically what Doug said this morning. We're going to see rates probably go up to 4% in, in 2023. The U.S. will be 46 so we'll be trailing a little bit behind them. Probably see, we we're hoping for a soft landing, but we could have a hard landing and, and recession, and then we'll see rates come down probably to 2024. They'll come down a bit. Unfortunately, when you talk to a lender, we, we have a risk premium for hotels because we don't have a long term lease, we have nightly stays. So they put that premium, you know, to 200, 300 basis points on um, their cost of funds. So it, it makes it more challenging for us to cover debt service. You know, when you say, do we get back to pre-pandemic levels, I think we we're always there through the pandemic at 65, 60, like Cam can talk to this. If we we're going through COVID and, and you said you wanted 65%, they might give you 50 and then hold a reserve to make sure you have that cash to get through that COVID period. So it was really 60 or 65, you just had to have some liquidity behind you. And yeah. Maybe you can talk to that, Cam. So Yeah, so yeah. Uh, some products that we, or when we were faced with refinancing or a new opportunity through the pandemic, there obviously was a lot more uncertainty around, you know, you know, cash flows of the hotel and what kind of restrictions are going to come around the corner and, and that kind of stuff. So we would advance, you know, 60 to 70 percent, uh, but a portion of that would be held back into an interest interest reserve or, or right. debt payment reserve. Yeah. So comment on, yeah, and I'll speak to just what we're seeing on actual interest rates, three-year and five-year money. So right now, some of the institutions that are lending, they only want to lend three. Um, five-year capital is getting a bit tight, but three to five-year is very similar. It's a range. So the market is kind of spread out where you have hoteliers that own a portfolio of hotels and, and, they're, and they're doing fairly reasonable. And, and the hotel, some of the property hotel is doing fairly reasonable um, and can service 18, 19 debt and the TTM is on a, on a good projection. Rates today is around from six and a half for a five year money, uh, six and a quarter, six and a half, all the way to 9%. And this is institution 9% money, not private money. And so the ones, hotels that are, hoteliers getting into the game for the first time or have a second hotel and the debt service coverage is tight, the, the second tier institutions are sitting, it's from 75 to 9%. That's how much of a tier it jumps up. So the more players that are participating in the market, the yield can come down. And so that's, the, that's one thing we're kind of monitoring right now hopefully it's going to, you know, as the cash will start turning over debt service coverage, Steve alluded to the credit risk will go down and put that pressure on down to back to the normal sixes. Sort of one step forward, two step back with these questions, but how is inflation and the threat of a recession affecting hotel, the hotel lending environment? Cam, maybe you want to start? Um, I would say right now it's not having a, a big effect, but it does kind of keep me up at night sometimes <laughs> when I think about all the potential outcomes of what we're going through right now. I mean, Doug Porter's talked a lot about this, but practically the potential impact on hotels could be fairly significant because you have a bunch of forces kind of all happening at the same time. You have increasing um, interest rates, increasing labor costs, access to labor issues, 
combined with dwindling disposable income as inflation goes. So even though currently we had a, a really good summer, my concern is how long can that sustain itself with a dwindling disposable income. Right. I was talking with one franchisee, he's not in the room now, he sort of referred to coming off of these, uh, these record-setting years or months where we've surpassed 2019 and 19 numbers, and he's referring to, you know, the next months ahead potentially just being like the hangover, but if that's the case and we drop down to what were the 2018 numbers and we're only dropping back to what were the all-time numbers, in the conversation, is it really a recession in our space? But I guess if we see that disappear based on travel, but yeah, his Doug Porter's conversation was hard to follow there. It was a lot of up with the potential of down, and I can see it being yeah. concerning. Yeah, and, the, and the, the, the big risk that he spoke about mentioned that nobody really knows the answer to is, you know, if the Fed goes too far. Right. So, yeah. you know, if we, if we fall off a cliff, we got a lot bigger problems <laughs> in general. Like, um, so uh, that, that's kind of the fine line that we're working with. Mark? Yeah, I concur everything that uh, he says as well. But on the inflation side, I guess where it's correlated to is on the construction. With the whole supply chain, it's, you know, it's pretty common right now between all industries that are building. But we're just seeing the effects when a lot of our projects in the urban markets are being uh, pushed out. So Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver. Uh, some secondary markets still make sense depending on the cost of the land and, and development costs, et cetera. So therefore, you know, Monique and Brian alluded to earlier as well is once you nail down that budget, um, what is the valuation? But lenders look at punk completion. They don't look on a stabilization, right? That's, that's different from before, where, where lender would say, on completion, we can lend 70% because 70 becomes 65% on a stabilization. So majority of the institutions will state that uh, we want to look at a completion <coughs> basis. Um, and also, some of the lenders on the construction side are taking a contingency of 3 4% and moving it to 10%. Yeah because the, um, there's no such thing as a fixed price contract anymore. If you're building yourself and you have that expertise, it's, you get to shave off a few points. Uh, so going into the, to the uh, institutions right now for the construction is really nailing down that cost, getting cost consultant to review it. Lenders want to balance their times getting into it because we're seeing cost overruns across the board and making sure we're comfortable with that value and looking at liquidity. The next question for Steve, I'm going I'm to put you on the hot seat here okay. because this is a question like I get asked all the time, and in my role, we try to deflect to the, to the professionals because we rely on so much third-party information so that we're not necessarily representing you know, somebody else's success, just trying to take sort of the, the selling out of the sale, if you will, so that there's so many people and third parties involved in how development of a hotel will happen, whether it's the valuations, which we had earlier, it's going to be the financing, could be um, environmental concerns. But... On the um, financing side of things, if someone's looking to access capital through refinancing of an, an existing hotel, which everybody in the room has, what are the necessary steps and approximately how long should that process take? There's another question attached is when somebody gets an appraisal, and I'm not trying to confuse it, maybe we want to answer it in two parts, but how long does that appraisal last? Because quite often you're like, I'm going to get an appraisal, see, what it's, uh, see where I'm at, how much can I borrow? Yeah. And by the time you pull the trigger, the appraisals lapsed because of the changing economic times. 
Yeah, um, a valid question. Uh, when you, you look at getting capital out of, of the property, you know, the first thing is, is sources of funds, like what are you going to use it for? Are you going to deploy it back into capital into the actual property? Or are you going to buy another asset? Lender wants to know that. If you have like a million dollars you're going to pull out, like are you going to go buy a boat? They're not interested. Like you got to give them a story where that money's going to go. Typically uh, in the past, and Mark could probably allude to this as well, we, we could do a financing in three months, and that would be from doing the appraisal, going to the lender, getting your term sheet. They got two weeks to underwrite it, and then two weeks in credit, and then you got your two weeks with the lawyers. Um, could be some holidays in between, and as you know, most, most lenders don't work on Friday. But uh, yeah, nowadays, we're, we're seeing that there's more due diligence up front. Like they're, they're really getting into a lot more of the stuff they do after getting the discussion paper. It's good because you don't want a lender just to issue a paper and it doesn't mean anything. The account manager wrote it and when it gets to credit, it's like, we're, we're not going to do this because you just wasted all this time. So when you do get a discussion paper, ask the account manager, has this been vetted by credit, meaning has it had a once over? Credit's going to say, yes, we bless this, but if there's a material change or they see something in the financials, they still could deny it. But that's, that's very key. And, and when you go to a lender presentation, Mark will tell you is everything right now. Because if you don't have everything in a complete package, you're going to get pushed back to the queue. And when you bring it in again, they got to revisit that deal. The easiest thing for a lender to say is no. Uh, it's not a good package. You didn't have a complete. We're going to look at it maybe three weeks down the road. So go in with a package. Like Mark says, have a story. Uh, if it isn't a good story, mitigate it. You know, tell them how you're going to do it. You're going to re, you know, rebuild the hotel, re-renovate it, and go in there. And you, you want that lender to want to do the deal. You want to give them reasons to do it, not, you know, you didn't mitigate this, so how are we going to get around it? So the presentation today is, is everything. And, and in my presentation, I, I, like Mark does it as well, we look at the debt coverage ratio on the previous, previous years, the trailing 12 months. You want to put that up front. If it isn't a good story during COVID, tell them why. You know, and then say, but going forward, we have projections. We have an appraisal that shows it's going to cash flow and it's going to be a good it's going to be a good project, but then I'll be realistic with the borrower saying, you want it 65, realistically, they're going to come back at 60 because we just got to get that cash flow up, and then they may give you another advance to 65 when you prove the debt coverage ratio is there. So with appraisals, I think Monique's here in the audience, they usually, six months is probably the, the length of how they're valid. It depends to the reliance, like if Monique says it's nine months old, not much has happened in the market, it was new construction and it's in a smaller town, yeah, we'll give reliance on it. And the reliance is that Monique will stand behind that report or the appraiser will stand behind it. So it's a little bit of both. Sometimes I have lenders that say, yeah, we're okay with a 12-month-old appraisal, but you get other lenders that say, no, we, we want it updated. So it just depends. And when all that work is done, Cam just signs off. Yep. Yeah. 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 yeah, just yeah. like that. Yeah, just like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's actually, it's so Cam on the banking side, like, does that sort of align with the process? Like, uh, yeah. it was. Yeah. 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 Very much. Like Steve said, sharing as much information about what the transaction is, whether you're acquiring something or you're refinancing your hotel, is extremely important. And just being honest about the situation and uh, the challenges that might be in the financial statements, how those challenges were addressed and how they're mitigated and that kind of stuff. So that's a really big piece of our underwriting. And like Steve said, a lot of our underwriting is going, is front-ended now. I mean, we always kind of operated that way. We did a lot of work at CWB, a lot of our work before the discussion paper. We never put out a term sheet that we know we can't deliver on, uh, or at least deliver on with very minor changes but it's even more so now.
So a little a trick question here. I'm looking around the room, and I know there's a few people that have newly built hotels and then hotels and recently renovated. When's the, the sweet spot on refinancing? Say you built, you had your construction financing, you get your existing takeout financing, and you want to refinance, you want to recapture some of that uh, invested equity. When, to anybody actually, if... Historically, I would say after two years of operations would be the sweet spot, because assuming that you've been able to stabilize your hotel, yeah. right? Problem now is, like, when is it stabilizing? Right. So it's, it's hard to identify you know, whether the hotel has, has actually stabilized in the current environment. Yeah, I would say the same thing. Because, you know, two years is a normal course. If it's short of that, then means the hotel is performing quite well. And so you can still get approvals. But what's very common that we're seeing right now are earnouts. Right? Well, you hit, we'll approve X. And then once you hit milestones, and typically on a trailing 12 month, not necessarily on, on a fiscal year end, but on trailing 12 months, you can get earnouts on your, on your equity out. Right? That would help fast track if you're with a full two years or whatever else may be. Also, a very strong covenant. So if you, in some situations, you have uh, the hotels that have been acquired, fully renovated, took two you know, acquired in, for example, 17, took two years of full renovation, so obviously no, no servicing. COVID hit, now you're 2021, and then you're in a TTM, they're just coming out of the woods. But by lending perspective, your average institution, they look at that and say, man, five years has not turned, right? So what's, what are you basing your... Your, your analysis on, and you want to take some equity out. But again, relying on the feasibility side, if you bought it five years ago, you probably bought it right compared to even today's costs. And with the strength in the TTM, if you have healthy cash flow, there may be a way to get some equity out. So the story behind it, if there's a history of that, you know, there, there's some gray areas where you could take some equity out very earlier. Our group has financed assets like that yeah. fairly recently. So our, our approach to that, not, not that we put blinders on about the pandemic, but we basically pretended when we're underwriting that those two years didn't happen. So <laughs> kind of looking what was happening in that stabilization period between 2017 and 2019, and was it on a reasonable trajectory? Were, were there any management issues in that period that, that might not be good for the, the situation now? And, and kind of continuing that as if the pandemic didn't happen. Although I want to clarify, we don't ignore that the pandemic happened because within that, uh, a lender can see, you know, the management ability behind the ownership group, uh, how they addressed the problems that they, they saw, how did, how did they uh, solve labor issues, were they efficient in obtaining government subsidies, did they tap into the programs when they were appropriate, so all those things kind of feed into the credit as well. Now you take the equity out and build your new one. <laughs> Yeah, we'll help you. <laughs> Just as we're moving along here, questions at this point, anybody? Shahid, you're always sitting front and center. You've always got a good one for me. You can't hold off till the end. <laughs> Nothing? Yeah, just to recap, the 65 yeah, lenders are comfortable with the new builds, provide the metrics-based sense of value versus cost, but capital is, capital is fully available. But we're we're lending off of uh, the lesser of the value yeah. or or cost, and right now, and I, I think Monique would agree, uh, in in most cases, the construction costs on hotels exceeds their as complete value. Monique, over to you. 
which uh, essentially means if you're developing a hotel, you have to be ready to have more equity available to do the project. Call us first. <laughs> So, so on that side, it's actually a good, we were just joking outside that we could have easily had like a six-person panel and put these together because there's so much overlap. But when, when people come for refinancing and they've got generational assets that have been in the family and the highest and best use at the time was a hotel, and now it could be something else, a condominium, car dealership, doesn't matter, yet they're hoteliers and they want to stay in the space, at, at what, who makes that decision? Does the broker, does the bank come back and say, we love the business, you're doing great numbers, we're still gonna lend on this, or highest and best use tells us to run in a different direction and we're not gonna finance it as a hotel, yet you're sitting on AAA real estate. Like is, do you guys come across that? Yes, and I think you know a lot of it will be where it sits in the market, is it penetrating? It's getting its fair share, if it's not, and it's, it's under demolished, then I think the answer's there, and they'll go to an appraisal company and it just won't value very high, so a lender will say, if I'm going to have a downturn in the economy and you're going to be the eighth hotel to get business and there's a New Hampton, there's a Comfort, there's all these properties ahead of you, why would we do that deal? Because Cam can tell you, they, they look at where you're going to position yourself in the comp set. So, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Same, would you say at the bank, same thing? If, yeah. If yeah. Yeah, but at the end of the day, it comes down to whether we think that value is appropriate for that asset. If we're lending on that, so if the leverage isn't very high and it's still covers, there's really no reason not to do that deal, just because it maybe is an older asset or whatever. Yeah. But, but all of those things have to factor into the loan that we're moving forward with, like how, how much capital expenses in that property, how much you know renovations need to be completed, will they be completed, right. uh, all that still factors into the, into the deal. Now we have some clients as well that have the excess land that was intended to be a hotel, but the, on, on a secondary plan, they find out that it, this, they want more density on the residential side, right? So all of a sudden they say, well, the, the most optimal use is a residential multi-use. And if the city on the secondary plan is allowing density, so getting the high rise density on that site is going to make a decision saying that may be the most economic use and you switch over to the, the other asset class. Right, right. Sort of a closing question here. Uh, what's the most frequently asked question you receive from clients and, and how would you, what, what's your answer? You know, I, I think when someone calls their, their timing, like how quickly can we turn around a, a loan? They probably have a timing issue with their existing lender or if it's a new build. Other thing is loan to value. Like, do you think you can get 70 or 65? And, and it's hard to tell someone from first glance. You want to look at the numbers and see where you can get to. And you just got to be realistic with them once you look at the, the whole package and say, I think I can get this for you out in the market. And, and sometimes it's not always about rate and it's always not about leverage. It's about the relationship with the lender. When you look at COVID, a lot of lenders exited the system and got out and Canadian Western Bank was there through that. You know, BDC was still lending. So those relationships are important because you don't want to be standing there and your debt is due and they're like, sorry, we're not going to renew you. They'll work with you and go through it. So relationships are everything. And if you want to grow, if your plan's to go down the road and have five hotels, that lender relationship's key because you can get equity out of those properties. So it's it's a bit of, you know, the rate and, and the loan to value, but relationship is key. And it works both ways because Cam wants to have a relationship with the borrower that he can, you know, upward finance him when he needs to. If there's a tough call they're not covering, we'll give you some forgiveness. Like, it, it works both ways. Yeah, for me, I guess it was the same question, but it slightly changed through the last uh, eight months. And it was like, what are in what's your interest rate? And then it became, what's your interest rate, interest rate now? And now it's become more, when do you think interest rates are going to come back down? <laughs> so it's kind of like this curve on interest rate. Right. So 
But right now, people are interested in, you know, do I lock in for a longer term at a fixed rate at, at, at this level when it could come down during so, that? So I'm, on, so I'm on the phone with you right now, and what's your answer to that question? Cam, should I lock in or should I float? <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I would say it, it depends on, on, on how comfortable you are with the risk that rates don't come back down. But in general, I would say fixing in for maybe a three-year period is reasonable. Five-year might be tough. Because you might, you, might, you might get stuck with that 7% interest for five years. Yeah. And 10 years cheaper. 10-year money, let's say for, all applies for hotels, but 10-year money is sitting at you know, high fours, low fives. It's just uh, the inverted yield curve, right? So but in hotel size, typically it's three to five, and I would agree to Cam. Hedge on three-year, or you can have an option to do half variable and half fixed, right? If you yeah. want to hedge that way as well. We used to do a lot more on the swap side. Swaps are when your interest rate's low, you put it to a swap rate, so interest rates go up. You can get out any time and make some money. But with this market, we're the reverse. You're higher rates, so you don't necessarily want to lock into a swap position. If rates drop, then you're, you're out of the money. And swap rates also are, are super complicated and uh, <laughs> can, can have hidden costs that aren't always clear. So what's the number one, other than how tall are you, what's the number one question? Uh... Is it, can you make it work or is it going to work? So whether it be an acquisition, a refinance, take out some equity or construction, really we kind of sit down and say, is it going to happen or not before wasting anybody's time? So we'll typically size up the deal, ask for the detailed information, make some spot checks with the appraisers and, and run our internal numbers knowing roughly what the market will do and say, if it's going to work, here's how it's going to work. If it's not, then we'll, we'll be pretty upfront to, to do that. And we can size up pretty quickly the leverage, the rates, and, and structure. And if it makes sense, then there's a, a plan B. One question I know came actually at lunch. Somebody asked, was financing and the, assume, the assumption of existing financing, is that something that's gone away? Is it something that's sort of papered in at the earliest stages of a loan? Um, is it something that the bank wants to see? Like it, when somebody sells a property, do, it's, is a lender looking to leave their money in the... Well, to port the, the mortgage over yeah. to somewhere. Uh, yeah, Cam. Cam? Yeah, we, we'd uh, be okay with that, but I mean, it's always in the context of who the buyer is. Who the buyer is, yeah. for sure. It, it's just because when we talked about financing and the ability to get into the game, the business, and we don't know where values are at, and some of these people that have yeah. refinanced have been able to get more yeah, amount it, out of their If hopes. you're able to do that, if you are selling a property in, in, in this environment... Assuming that you did your mortgage, you know, two three years ago, then that's a huge value, right, to the buyer. Huge. Yeah. yeah. Or to the seller, vice versa, right, because they're getting that lower rate. As long as they have, as long as they have enough leverage in there as well. Yeah. That's one thing. Sometimes if you're buying today's value is sitting there for three years, and and the mortgage amount's low, the mortgage could be sitting 35, 40 percent of the purchase, mm -hmm. and that money could be locked in for two three years to unwind that money. It's going to be costly to the vendor who's going to outlay it to the purchaser. So, you know, lenders can actually, you know, can come and do a blend to an extend. So I want to give you that 60%, keep that 3 million or 30%, add another 30% to it. Or sometimes that we talked about in a previous session is a vendor take back to go behind the first mortgage of that 30% to bring it up at 60%. If the term is a year and a half left, then that's the most economical way of, of doing it, provided the senior lender is comfortable with it. Yeah. And then a senior lender could then refinance it all at once. Okay. Um, any uh, any questions? No. 
everyone knows where they can get their money, how to reach these guys, <laughs> hopefully. Um, otherwise, I think that's the end of today. Um, we're back, uh, back tomorrow morning, and if you have any questions, I think everyone's going to stick around for a few minutes. Yeah. Feel free to come up, and uh, I thank you guys again for being part of this. Yeah, thank, thank, you. You. Thank, thank you. Thank you. That concludes Access to Capital, Acquisitions, Renovations, and Construction, the second of our two-part live special. Thank you very much for listening. This has been Development Insights with Choice Tells Canada. You can find the show notes in the description of this episode, to learn more about the podcast and Choice Hotels, you can visit us at www.choicehotelsdevelopment.com.